Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to Provocative Enlightenment dot com forward slash chat we do have a great chat room so Ravinder, tell us all about it please yes we do have a great chat room and it actually opens just a few minutes before we go on the air so we all have a chance to meet and greet um ahead of time before we start discussing the subject matter of the day so do come in and join us that's provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat all right this week's spotlight is really in answer to a question from one of our listeners The query was put to me this way. Why do you close all of your radio shows with believing in yourself always matters? I suppose the long and the short answer to that could be something as simple as because it does always matter. Now that said, let me flesh this out some and unpack just how important what you believe can be to literally every aspect of your life, ranging from health and longevity to prosperity and relationships or wealth. The scientist-philosopher William James once stated, Belief creates the actual fact. As with the general body of his work, James was both correct in his observation and ahead of his time. So for a moment, just imagine what you might do if you learned that faith the size of a mustard seed could move mountains. Just assume for a moment that somehow you discovered this whole statement to be based on your belief, your belief in yourself, and that's simply believing you could be successful at your goal. Whatever it might be would somehow make that possible. What would you do if that were the case to cultivate the power of self-belief? What would you say if I told you that belief influences almost everything in your life, from your DNA to the operation of your endocrine and immune systems, from your emotional well-being to the stability of your moods and attitudes? from your relationships with others to your relationship with yourself and more. Let me explore that question. In the process, share some facts with you. Thinking or belief directly influences the human body. The physical effects of placebos are just one piece of evidence for this claim. It's well known that placebos have healed such incurable health conditions as terminal cancer. In one case, orange-sized tumors that filled a man's upper body disappeared when he was given a so-called cure. In a matter of three days, this patient went from gasping for every breath to bouncing around his hospital room, teasing the nursing staff. There are many documented reports of miraculous recoveries at the hands of placebos or faith healers, for that matter. Our life beliefs are like a giant spider web. There is no such thing as a standalone belief. They are all intricately interlaced and wound into one another in ways that are amazing even to the professional analyst. Even our dissonant beliefs are connected at some level despite the fact that they are mutually exclusive in nature. We may well believe, for instance, that prosperity will bring us happiness and at the same time hold a deep-seated belief that the love of money is the root of evil. We need not look far in our society to find living proof of this precise example. Take, for instance, the number of individuals who seek to penalize the new millionaire by taking a large portion of success in taxes and at the same time aspire to become millionaires themselves. I've led many seminars in which I've asked how many of you would like to make a million dollars this year, and without exception, every hand in the house goes up. I've also asked many of these same people how they would like to pay 60-70% or more of their income in taxes. And again, unanimously, they believe that to be unfair. Yet this is exactly what the same group of people finds fair when framing the question about raising taxes to balance our national budget and meet our social needs. 
Beliefs weave together in ways that often bind us. We are blind to them and bound by them. We have beliefs about what a singer should look like. So when Susan Boyle of Britain's Got Talent appeared in her disheveled best, the room filled with laughter and even a jeer or two. Judges looked at one another and rolled their eyes, and yet when the woman opened her mouth and began to sing, the most mellifluous sounds came forth. Stop and ask yourself, why is it we think a singer should look a certain way? What is this belief, and how does it betray us? Our life beliefs can dictate everything from our relative successes to the way in which we interact with the physical world. I remember the Sir Roger Bannister story. Bannister declared that he was going to break the unbreakable four-minute mile. He was told by all the experts, including physiologists and scientists, that his goal was not only unreachable, but physically impossible. Indeed, there are stories of how the Greeks chased runners with wild animals in their attempts to run a mile in a faster time, all to no avail. Simply not possible. And yet on May 6, 1954, running on the university track of Ifley Field, before a meager crowd of 1,000, most of them students, by the end of the day, the four-minute mile barrier had been smashed. The newly broken psychological barrier, because that's what it was, led to numerous runners breaking the same record in the next couple of years. Indeed, John Landy ran the mile 46 days later in Finland, setting a new record with a time of 3 minutes 57.9 seconds. The bottom line is this. If you think you'll fail, you will. If you think you know it all, then you are incapable of learning. If you think that 40 or 50 is old then when you reach that age, your belief will predispose your reality. When I think of this, I'm reminded of something a friend told me once. I believe he was in his late 30s at the time, doing some moonlighting as a a disc jockey at parties. One evening, he prepared music for a school reunion, a 50th high school reunion. Without thinking much about those who would attend, he did his usual thing and found music from the era of their senior year. Everything was cute and ready to go. The attendees began to arrive, and then my friend realized that they were, for the most part, limping, hobbling, and otherwise dragging themselves along in slow motion as though everything about them hurt to move. The thought flashed through his head. How many hip or knee replacements are there out there? What kind of music do you play them? His music had all been planned for dancing. At this juncture, there was nothing else for him to do but proceed with his playlist. He told me this, Eldon, they limped in and danced out. The memory of our younger days is often enough to vitalize a hidden energy, and the next thing we know, we are feeling and acting younger in every way. Our beliefs, our thoughts about aging have been suspended in favor of our memories attached to the music. So when you think of your life beliefs, don't take them too lightly. They may well hold your future in more ways than one. Now, before closing, there's something else that I should add. Not long ago, I attended a continuing education course sponsored by the Institute of Brain Potential. And there were two takeaway points emphasized in concluding remarks by the presenter, Dr. Kateri McRae. These two points are worth repeating over and over again. The first... You absolutely can change. It turns out that you can change your personality, your IQ, your habits, and even physical aspects of your brain. You can increase gray matter and reorganize all of those cognitive areas and more. Second, and of utmost importance, you can only change what you believe you can change. Let me say that again. Neuroscience, not mumbo-jumbo lingo, but hard science based on actual observation says that you can change only what you believe you can change. Remember that the next time you tell yourself something is impossible. To learn more about your beliefs, check out my book, Choices and Illusions. Your thoughts on this one, Ravinder? I think you pretty much summed it all up. You can only change what you can, what you believe you can change. There's a great deal of food for thought there for all of us with all aspects of our life. Put her down. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. 
Last week, our show featured David Essel, and we discussed his new book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. Aaron wrote, I have found the pomp and nonsense surrounding the law of attraction and the secret to be the best what Mr. Essel pointed out. To be just what Mr. Essel pointed out. Excuse me. Hollow and unsatisfying. Richard wrote, The law of attraction is a massive money-making cash flow machine for its salespeople. CB commented, There are outright junior P.T. Barnums who see a way to make money off of gullible people and feel no qualms about it because it's those people's fault for being so gullible. Mark wrote, I believe that it's important for people to have a positive sense of life, which is based on one's subconscious appraisal of life and worldview, and which naturally manifests itself in one's daily thoughts, feelings, and actions. On the other hand, positive thinking, as defined by David Essel, is a poor imitation to a positive sense of life. It is artificially manufactured, creating a false sense of life, much like a medication creates a false sense of well-being by making an underlying illness, by masking an underlying illness. Mary wrote, I just love your radio show and CDs. Thank you for what you do. Vera wrote, I miss not hearing you on Hay House. It appears to me that many of the excellent presenters are no longer with him. There are only a couple of programs that I listen to presently. Again, thank you for your outstanding service to mankind. Stay the way you are. Well, you know, Vera, I'm really glad you found us, and we love being right where we are. Thanks for your feedback. Finally, Meredith wrote, Your Intertalk CDs are the real deal. They simply rock. The difference may have made the difference they have made in my life is really a miracle. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook, and I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly do appreciate your feedback and support. Our spotlight was a little long today, so I want to get right into our guest. This week's show, The Genie Within, Your Subconscious Mind. Now, long before I became aware of today's guest, Mr. Harry Carpenter, or his book, I thought of The Genie Within as being the power of your belief. Indeed, I wrote about this power in my book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters, and it turns out it always does matter. I hope you got that point today. So when I came across Terry's work, naturally I had to know more. Well, sometimes that's how you end up on provocative enlightenment. So let me tell you a little about today's guest. Mr. Harry Carpenter was conditioned with the idea that his mind could do almost anything at a young age. He came down with a life-threatening sickness when he was nine. After being bedridden for a year and getting worse, his parents hired a practitioner trained in mental healing. The practitioner cured him. The impressionable mind of a ten-year-old boy reasoned that if his mind could heal him, it could do almost anything. He began looking for the secret. It took decades before he found a suitable model on how his subconscious mind worked. The paradigm was simple and compatible with experts and philosophies he respected, once he knew how his subconscious worked, it was easy putting it to use. Due to his success in using his subconscious mind, Harry was encouraged to teach what he had learned. He taught his first classes 50 years ago, but stopped teaching to pursue a career in aerospace engineering and raise four children. He resumed teaching when he retired in 1994. The information Harry shares was collected from many books, teachers, and practice, so his book, the genie within your subconscious mind is the distillation of 70 years of reading, studying, practicing, and teaching. So on that, let's get him in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Harry Carpenter. Hi, Eldon. Glad to it's, be here. Appreciate the invitation. It's great to have you here. I enjoyed your book very much. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, well, we'll talk about it as we go. You heard today's spotlight. How important do you think believing in yourself is? You know, I, I don't think I used the word belief in the book, but it, it's important. It depends on the uh, the definition, I think. I, I was very interested in what you had to say, uh, particularly, uh, I don't know if you realize it, but several of those examples or in my book and uh, demonstration of the power of the subconscious mind, particularly the one about Mr. Wright, who cured him, who was uh, cured of a, a terminal cancer for a few days until he learned that it was ineffective, and then he died. Right, uh, I know that story. Another one that's important is 
multiple uh, personality disorder, where a person changes uh, personality and changes physical characteristics, like uh, IQ, eye color, has a wart in one personality and doesn't in another. So that that is very demonstrative of uh, the uh, the subconscious mind's power. Let's see if we can flesh out belief a little together, okay? Because, you know, I mean, you have read all of the books, and I think I've probably read all of the books going, you know, from Peel, The Power of Positive Thinking, to Murphy's, you know, The Power of Subconscious Mind, da-da-da-da-da, go way back, okay? In fact, I think I've read the first self, a book called Self-Help by Smiles. It was published um, in the late uh, 1800s, but we got a copy of it. I had to peruse that. Uh, So this is an area. Uh, of my concern, my life study, and I tend to think that when you're dealing with the influence of a placebo, let's take the patient who um, you mentioned earlier, a uh, physician didn't believe he could make it through the weekend, but enrolled him into this pilot study uh, looking at treatment uh, for his disease, and by Monday morning, this fellow was cured. Uh, he went home. He read in the paper, and I'm I'm paraphrasing this uh, real quickly. He read in the paper that the drug that was a part of this test was not a treatment at all. It was basically ineffective. He immediately uh, remitted. Uh, returned to the physician. The physician suspected that it was a placebo uh, effect. So he told him he had a stronger one. And the man responded to it. Okay, well, now... <clears throat> Eventually, he discovered that uh, no form of this drug could in any way, shape, or form save his life, and he died. To me, I interpret that as he believed the drug would be effective, and that's how I use the word belief. How would you see this going down, Mr. Carpenter? Well, uh, I'm not sure in my definition, in my feeling, that belief is enough. I, uh, the, uh, what we're talking about, uh, falls into, uh, law of expectation. What the subconscious mind expects tends to come about. And that uh, the placebo is the epitome of, of that law. And, uh, of course, all new drugs are tested against the placebo, which is a minimum of 33% effective. That is the placebo. Uh, the people taking the placebo, 33% of the people taking the placebo get the same results as people taking the, or patients taking the actual drug. Uh, so that's expectation, and that may be similar to belief. You know, the, the subconscious mind is the most complex thing in the universe, and we know the least about it of any science. And we're just beginning to uh, to really learn about it because we uh, because of in in non-invasive techniques have been only available in the last what 30, 30 years or so. So I think that when we have a dis- not a disagreement, but we a different interpretation of different words, that we're saying the same thing but coming from different directions. Kind of like two blind men describing an elephant. The same. It's all the same thing. So, I I believe that just belief is not enough. I think you have to uh, understand the laws of the subconscious mind and how it works, and just operating in the conscious mind is not enough. I think. You have to be aware that the door to the subconscious mind is through an alternate alternate state of mind. Okay, well, let's explore a little bit of what you just discussed, okay? Let's talk about non-invasive technology to begin with. Uh, fMRI studies have demonstrated that some 90% of our decisions are made in the subconscious. Actually, uh, they're made by the nucleus accumbens. Uh, studies have shown that an MRI technician watching your brain make a decision in live time will know on average six seconds before you know 
what you will decide. Okay, so our subconscious mind is making the decisions, and our conscious mind is justifying why we make those decisions. So my question to you, sir, is where is free will if the majority of our decisions are coming from the unconscious? Well, I'm I'm not a... I haven't studied the mind science, but I would tell you this, that I believe that will is a conscious conscious mind activity, and the power is a subconscious mind. So we talk about willpower. If you can will yourself to move your arm up and down, you can will yourself to move across the room and come back again. And you, but the power is in the subconscious mind. So if you have a, a belief or you will yourself to do something, if you have a program in your subconscious mind that's contrary to that will, I do not believe you will be successful. You will be double-minded and Remember uh, Emil Coué, when I was a teenager, I had his pamphlet, and I couldn't understand it. But he said, when the will and the imagination are in conflict, imagination is win. Well, it wasn't until later in life I realized that the will is the conscious mind, and the imagination is the subconscious mind. So when the subconscious mind and subconscious mind are in conflict, the subconscious mind always wins. Uh, now, does that end with what your question is? I have no disagreement with that. I guess my question is more, okay, the subconscious mind is in charge. For all intent and purposes, uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir when you say that, but repetition is an important part of your protocol. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Now, is is that not how we reprogram the information in our unconscious through repetition? Yes, repetition is an, is another law of the subconscious mind, but it should be the repetition should be in the alternate alter the alternate state, alternative state. In other words, there's four states, and basically four states of mind, right? The awake state. The alpha state, which is the meditative state, when you're like you're daydreaming, and then you, if you relax more, you drop into the theta state, which is the narrow band, and then if you fall into sleep, where your conscious mind is completely out of the question, out of the picture. So okay, so and, you're not you're not and, making and this demarcation on just brainwave states. Beta, alpha, theta. You're you're basically saying because theta is generally where you'll sleep at. You you're not going to be in delta unless you go into coma. Well, you pass through theta. Delta is the sleep state, right? Uh, very few people will actually be in delta to sleep. But okay, if that's it's okay. If you're saying that. Those are the four brainwave states. That's what I'm trying to qualify, that those are the four states of consciousness that I'm with you. Well, not states of consciousness. I'm saying are the only consciousness states of mind. be in the beta state. Okay. Right. Okay. And see, when you're sleeping, you do come up into theta and alpha during dreaming. Well, REM is almost, that is alpha. Yeah. But what I'm saying... Uh, the point I guess I'm trying to make is that you can't reprogram your mind in the awake state, in the beta state. You, it's like comparing an incandescent light bulb with a laser. In other words, an incandescent light bulb uh, it shows light in every direction. If you're reading a book, you only need the light on the book. The light, in fact, if you look at the energy... From the power plant, only 5% by the time it gets to you as light. The other 95% is wasted as heat, whereas a laser is 100% efficient. And what I'm saying is if you want to reprogram your subconscious mind, you 
say you can't do it in the conscious state. You have to go into the alpha state. Access the altered states. Okay. Well, that would imply then probably that if I were to hang affirmations on my refrigerator or the mirror in the morning and I were to read these to myself in that full wake state, maybe they're not all that effective. When we come back from the break, we'll ask Mr. Carpenter about just that. We're speaking with Harry Carpenter about his life and book, The Genie Within. To learn more about our guest and his work, visit his website at thegeniewithin.com. Thegeniewithin.com. Okay, we have a video for you today featuring our guest discussing how your mind works. Modern versus agent man. So join Ravinder in the chat room. If you're listening on the dial, remember you can check the chat room out when you're next in front of your computer by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. just joined us we're chatting with mr harry carpenter about his life and book the genie within now we ask our guests for their favorite music music that has some genuine significance to them music psychology is a hobby of mine and it's a new field of research with practical relevance in many areas including investigations of human aptitude skill intelligence creativity personality and social behavior I am collecting files on our famous people and the music they choose. Indeed, there can be a good deal of self-disclosure from time to time. All right, we just played some of Against the Wind by Bob Seger. That was your choice, Harry. What makes this one important to you, and how does it instruct us about who you are, sir? I have no idea. I, I assume <laughs> it was a subconscious decision. And I'm only aware of uh, the result. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. What a great answer. Now, no one has ever given me that one before. <laughs> Listen, I misspoke in the in the last half hour. You're absolutely right. Sleep research does show that we get into Delta when we get into very deep sleep. Now, just before the break, 
Uh, you indicated to us that, you know, in order to change the subconscious, you can't do it from a conscious position. So I suggested that perhaps that would imply that utilizing affirmations might not work. What is your take there, sir? You know, I think I can explain this using an example. Please. Let's say a man named John was brought up in a dysfunctional family. And from uh, day one, he was told he was no good. He would never amount to anything. He never learns anything. And so now he's 30 years old. He's good-looking. He's smart. But yet he has very, very low self-esteem, which, gives, which means he has poor social skills and he's very unsuccessful. Right. Now, if he says every day, I believe I'm a good person, I believe I'm smart, etc., I think that will take 31 years. Excuse me. Let me back up and say a law of the subconscious mind is that it can accept one concept on a given subject at a time. So now he has the concept of low self-esteem. So I'm saying that it will take him in the conscious mind. He can say, I believe I have good self-esteem. I believe in self et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, I think it will take him 31 years to overcome 30 years of negative thinking. However, if he were to make an affirmation and allow himself to slip into that meditative state, into the office state, and, and play back that affirmation, then he could do it in days, weeks. Everybody's different. There's no, no time specification. But he could do it in a very short time. So you're, saying if you, so you're saying if you get the conscious mind out of the way, for all intent and purposes, right. the conscious sentry out of the way, and you were to use um, a state of hypnosis or you were to use a subliminal technique uh, to get the information in or use it in meditation. Maybe you make a recording and you play it to yourself, um, well, all night while you sleep because when you come up into REM, you're in alpha, you know, that that kind of method works where the conscious mind saying to myself, you know, I am good just results in that back talk that says really good at what? Is that, did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. well, it, when I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Oh no, no. I I'm I'll go ahead and ask you questions. Okay. So so when you know a person decides that they want to change, and a lot of people do this. They you know they read all of the books, and maybe they make that recording, and they play it all night long. They you're doing their sleep learning or whatnot. But they they hit these resistance periods, and things don't change, and and then what you hear is, well, I've tried this and I've tried that and nothing works for me. What do you tell that person, Harry? Well, uh, and they, they're breaking one of the laws, I would say. They have to understand all the ways, the differences between the subconscious and the conscious, the way the subconscious mind works, and the laws that it, obey, that it obeys. And uh, one of the things... Oh, I hate to bring this up, but there's a one-word aff- affirmation. One-word affirmations work because the w- words have two meanings. One is a definition. Take the word mother, uh, a female parent. That's the conscious mind. That's all it needs. That's logical. The subconscious mind, where our emotions are, when you say the word mother, there's all kinds of emotions. That's come Archetype. up. Right. So let's say you slam your finger in the door. What do you say? Ouch. Well, ouch connotes pain. That's Maybe not what you want. Maybe profanity. Okay. Right. You want numb. Say the word numb. Think the word numb. Uh, I hate to bring it up, but you just use the word try. I have. I. I give a a small lecture on the word try. Sure. Try means to try. If you fail, try again. If you fail, try again. If you fail, try again. So in other words, the word try is failure. 
So I I give this little lecture about the word try in classes. Somebody will come up to me after the class and say, oh, but I have been trying so hard, I don't understand why I don't succeed. Well, that's one. So what I'm saying is that there's, there's many laws, not many, probably 11 in the book, that have to be obeyed. And, uh, for example, you have to, the, the subconscious mind only operates in the now. There is no future or, or past. So you, you don't want to say, I will be happy or I will be cured. I will be cured because that implies you are not now cured. Right. So the goal of the subconscious mind will be to keep you sick. And besides, the next day, you get your wish. You will be cured, but that day never comes. So everything has, that's a, one example, is that everything has to be stated in the present tense. Let's, let's go through the laws quickly, okay? Um, mm-hmm. You just discussed one. Now, what would you say, and, and let's take them in the order of importance, what would you say is the most important law of the subconscious mind? Oh, goodness, I have never, uh, I, I mean, they're all important, but I will attempt to answer your question. One dominant concept, the subconscious mind only accepts one dominant concept, so I already talked about double-mindedness. You, in order for uh, to succeed, your subconscious and your conscious mind have to be uh, on the same wavelength, have to right. have the same concept. And the uh, we've talked about the law of expectation. You've mentioned repetition. That's important. I've mentioned uh, uh, the present emotion. The uh, power of the subconscious mind is that chemistry, all the, the, the chemical reactions and the that are going on. And so the subconscious mind has the power, and so you should use emotion when you um, use a, uh, an affirmation or you want to uh, achieve a goal. Uh, another one that's uh, very important is expression. Every thought or idea must be or will be expressed physically. Um, for example, if I were to, particularly if you were to relax and just visualize and I would cut a lemon, and the juice would ooze out. You know, you your mouth would pucker up. So that thought there is a physical reaction. Uh, uh, Woody Allen had a uh, interesting comment, something uh, paraphrasing. He said, uh, "I internalize everything. I can't express myself, so I grow a, tum- a tumor instead." Instead, <laughs> but. Uh, so if you don't express something but, but with uh, with action, with directed activity, that will you'll be you'll repress it. And and if you suppress it, something over and over again, like let's say you have a boss you can't ex- you can't stand. He's he's mean and he's uh, uh, anyway. But for some reason, you can't change jobs. And so every day you go through this not expressing your anger, and it's building up and up. Uh, that's repression or suppression. Excuse me, repression. And sooner or later, that will be expressed physically. Uh, I don't know if you've run across the, the uh, uh, Dr. Seye, who coined the word physical stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, chronic stress is always is expressed in some way, and uh, so you want to use some directed activity and get rid of that stress. Let's that, uh, excuse me. Go ahead. No, I didn't want to cut you off again. Please. Now that, well, that covers the uh, uh, the laws. Those are the laws that are in my book. Let's let's take a uh, deal with them a little bit uh, if we can. You mentioned emotion, 
and you mentioned mom, which is a great example. Lloyd Silverman did some work at New York State. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but he developed what he called a symbiotic message, and, and that's just simply mommy and I are one. And he used this message, delivering it subliminally, to improve everything from ameliorating uh, schizophrenic pathology to improving dart-throwing ability. One of those kinds of things. When people look at that, just look at it as a linear sentence, mommy and I are one, you know, so what do you get out of my face? I'm not one with my mommy. What are you talking about? But when you think about it as an archetypal form of communication, it's like the the protectiveness. It's the when we were in the womb, it's that oneness where we're surrounded in peace, etc. How much work should we put in to writing affirmations that we will then access our conscious vis-a-vis these altered states, should, how much work should we put into understanding this more archetypal nature of communication so that we do pack it with the right emotion? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what your question is, but uh, is it what kind of rules do we need in writing an affirmation? Well, well, yeah, I mean, we can just take that general, but I w- more specifically, I, you know, I could write an affirmation that has emotion. I could say, for example, I feel joy. Now, that's got emotion in it. I can even say it to myself and record it with a lot of emotion. I feel joyous, okay? Or I can think, what, what is an archetype of joy? What, what, how would I say joy to my subconscious mind? How would it understand it? Like, mom is not really just a female parent. Mom is a whole lot more. And that was, that's really what I'm asking. Oh, well, if I was writing an affirmation on joy, I would see myself as, as somebody as happy at a birthday party, uh, getting a present, uh, especially as a young kid. The joy I felt, but I would visualize myself. And, of course, I, before I did this, I would put myself in the alpha state. I would uh, actually, and you know, that, that brings up another thing. I've read a little bit about acting, very little bit. But if you go on stage and you say, oh, I'm going to smile, I'm going to be happy, it won't go over. It just doesn't cut the, uh, what you have to do is you have to visualize, you have to be at the moment you were happy, so it comes out true. And so that's what I would do, to get emotion into an affirmation. I would see myself being happy. I would see people around me sharing my joy, looking at me, and being glad that I'm happy, etc. Now, this are we getting to the nub of the question? No, that that's good. So when I'm creating my my program or my affirmations, when I'm communicating this change to myself, what I want to do is feel, if I understand you correctly, what the change yes. is. Yes, feel. Feel the emotion. Yeah, the, I, w- I would, and repetition, of course, putting emotion into your affirmation, using imagination, uh, visualizing images. And then I would, what I do, is I tie it all to a trigger. In other words, it might take, I would write an affirmation that might take oh, five or ten minutes. And so after a few times, in fact, some, in fact my health affirmation that uh, I have on the CD I think is uh, 15, 13 minutes, 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, that you get a little tired of listening 13 minutes over and over and over and over again. So what you do is when you're in the office stage, you tie it to a trigger. And the trigger I use is the color green. So it's like Pavlov's law, remember? Of course you remember. Right, so 144 reps, and we've conditioned yeah. you. That's right, huh? Yeah. So you condition yourself to the color green and health. So now, rather than listening to the affirmation for 13 minutes, you just drop down into alpha and visualize the 
that color green or whatever trigger you uh, conditions yourself to. And then I would, in fact, I'm looking at it right now. I have a eleven, an eight and a half by eleven inch piece of green paper I just stack on the wall, and so uh, my conscious mind isn't even aware of it until we just brought it up. But my subconscious mind catches that every time I walk by, and it's reminded. It triggers that affirmation. That's very, very interesting. Now, up until now, you had me thinking. Uh, Harry Carpenter believes in self-hypnosis as a preferred modality for bringing about change. Uh, because entering the state the way you describe it is more akin to self-hypnosis than it is to, say, meditation. And most people think of meditation as, well, the reason I'm doing that is at one month, I'm, you know. So I, I, I just kind of think of self-hypnosis. But now this classical conditioning, that's really novel. That's, that's, that's a piece of brilliance there, Mr. Carpenter. You know, I... I do use the word hypnosis as an example in the very first pages of the book as an uh, in a stage hypnosis hypn, hypnosis <laughs> can't think of the word uh, what they can do but then I say I don't like that word it has a bad connotation to most people and I have read uh, from experts that nobody really knows what hypnosis is. Uh, well, so, I've testified on it in courts. As a so-called expert on it, I'll tell you, we objectify the state, and we say there are two things about it. The first is, it's an alpha, a slowed brainwave activity, alpha-theta brainwave activity. Watch it on an EEG. Second one is, it's a state of hypersuggestibility. So you sit down in front of your television set, research shows us that even if you try the likelihood is that in under three minutes you will go into a higher state of alpha. So you're in a state of hypersuggestibility. So that's, I guess, I use the word self-hypnosis simply because when you say to yourself you're going to slow your brainwave activity, you're going to go through some process to do that. What word do you like? Well, I simply uh, have positioned myself to the word alpha, and I would just take a deep breath and I exhale, I say three, two, one, alpha, and I picture alpha, and uh, I'm conditioned to split down into alpha. You're bringing right. up TV is very interesting because yeah, I was just going to ask uh, you about that. Please pick it out. Yes, uh, uh, that's the first. When we get into methods, that's the first thing I would teach in my class because the ad people, and which is a what multi-billion-dollar industry. Uh, uh, there's only six ways you can convince somebody to do your, what you want them to do. Force, drugs, punishment, uh, which are out of the question. Reason, I, I defy anybody or I challenge anybody to find a TV ad that's based on reason in prime time TV. I, right. I, I don't think you can do it. Reward. That doesn't work on prime time TV. The only way that they can sell a product is through suggestion. And as I've said, suggestion only works if you're in the alpha state. Uh, let me just say a couple words about the alpha state. People no. think of hypnotism and they, and, they, and they have a bad connotation. Everybody goes in and out of alpha all the time during the day. You're no. not aware of it. It's a natural state of mind, but it is an altered state of mind. It's not pure consciousness. So getting back to a TV ad. So now you have to sell a product by suggestion. Suggestions are only effective in the alternate state. And as you just said, when you watch TV, you drop down into the alpha state where you're very... Uh, suggestible to suggestion, and that's when they go to work. Uh, yeah, can, and they sell you them? sickness and everything else. Most importantly, the idea you're deficient, because if you're not deficient, you don't need their product. And there we go. 
Harry Carpenter, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I want our audience to know uh, how they can reach out to you, where they can get your book, learn more details about you. Please share that with us in the next 30 seconds or so. Okay. Well, my, my book, The Genie Within, Your Subconscious Mind, How It Works and How to Use It, is available on, on Amazon in three formats, the uh, paperback, ebook, and audio, audible. Uh, they can get it on my website. I have the, uh, the three CDs, which include all the exercises from the book, the conditioning exercises, and one strictly on health, and the other is the metronome, which is a very useful tool. We didn't have time to explain. I do have a, a couple other books. Uh, one on essays I've written, which is, I think, an ebook for 99 cents, very affordable. And then um, I've written about how to apply these principles to uh, athletics, in particular tennis and pickleball. Uh, out of time, else. Harry. Be sure okay. to check out the website, the book again, The Genie Within, Your Subconscious Mind. I want to thank you, sir, for your willingness to share with us today. We've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.